This episode of the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Aftershocks. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller. I'm a freelance writer and editor, a seven-time marathoner, and a new mom. Every week on the Alley on the Run show, I talk with inspiring men and women who lead interesting lives on the run and beyond. And while running is what brings us all together, on these episodes, I'm looking for more. So join me every Thursday to learn about the decisions people have made to get where they are today, the good ones and the bad ones, and how getting sweaty has factored in. And all that sounds divine, right? Except that today is a bit different. Today, it's just me. But we're still going to talk about running. We are going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly decisions. And we're going to talk about that new mom part of the little bio I just read. A few months ago, I recorded an oversharing episode right here called The Fourth Trimester. I shared my thoughts, my fears, my hopes, my dreams, and the fact that I felt like I was drowning in motherhood. I felt overwhelmed, scared, and like I just wasn't doing a very good job in spite of the fact that I had this beautiful, happy, healthy baby. I thought that would conclude my oversharing on motherhood segments on the Alley on the Run show, but turns out there's a fifth trimester. That's what I want to talk about today, so buckle up and let's talk about this fifth trimester. All right, you ready? Let's do this. All right, so I finally started taking Annie to music classes. I know for many moms, this was something they were able to accomplish with their newborns after like five minutes. But for me, it took just about five months. We we all move at different paces, right? Now to paint you a picture. So Annie and I show up to music class half an hour early every week. She eats at 3, music classes at 3.30, so I'll spare you the details of how long it takes to drive there and park at Trader Joe's and how I can't feed her first because she'll puke all over her car seat. Anyway, let's just all understand that I get there half an hour early to feed her in the empty room before people start filing in for class. So a few weeks ago, I'm feeding Annie and this woman strolls in with her son, She rolls up, she's wearing these like sky high heels, this little blue dress and tights. Girlfriend looked amazing. I'm sitting there in my yoga pants, my nasty ones, not even my nice ones. I'm covered in fresh spit up and I'm wearing a hat because apparently I'm balding. And I told this woman, I was like, I'm so impressed that you walked here in heels and while pushing a child in a stroller. And she laughs and she goes, Oh, no, girl. I changed my shoes outside a block away, and we Ubered most of the way here. We both just kind of laughed, and then she told me, she said, she has to get dressed up like that every single day because it's the only thing that makes her feel human. Her baby is 10 months old. So case in point, as new moms, as seasoned moms, we all have our stuff. We all have our thing. And it honestly made me feel so much better better. It was one of a string of things within the past month, actually, that have taken parenthood for me from terrifying to really kind of fun. So Annie is five and a half months old right now, and I can officially say it's fun. This is a really great age. She is silly. She's responsive. She has all kinds of tricks, some of which include rolling and flipping over in her crib at night, and those tricks are not my favorite, but still so advanced. 
And watching her explore the world around her and her capabilities and her surroundings every day, it is, it's honestly remarkable. It's still hard. We'll get to that. It's still messy. And he's got a little bit of reflux. She can seriously spit up. And I'd make a joke here about how we both go through a million costume changes a day. But I've actually stopped doing that. Um, I just go through life covered in various liquids and I've accepted it. Heels and dress lady, I am not. But really, to hear this woman who is so much further along in her motherhood journey, to hear her talk about how she has certain quirks to make herself feel better to get through the day, it was so validating. I wanted to hug her, but um, I still don't even know her name. So we're not there yet. Uh, I skimmed through that fourth trimester episode that I shared a few months ago. And I also wanted to hug my former self. I wanted to tell her, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It won't be easy, but you will survive this. And from where I am now, I know that. I wish I'd been nicer to myself, kinder to myself, easier on myself. I also know that three months from now, I'll probably have those same feelings about who I am in this moment. Does that make sense? That timeline there? Yeah. You followed that, right? Hindsight, kindness, it'll be okay. Got it. Uh, The first few months of Annie's life were the absolute hardest and darkest of mine. Uh, Yes, I was thrilled to have this new baby in my life. My God, she is amazing. And and she has been since the moment that we locked eyes in the hospital for the first time. Ooh, if I think about that too much, I might cry. So fast forward. Uh, From that same moment, though, I struggled. Right away, I struggled. I was so anxious. Everything around me, I remember it feeling dark. I was constantly scared. I was constantly worried about something, constantly obsessing over everything. It was such an intense time in my life. And even though I knew I wasn't alone, and that so many people, especially women, could relate, I still felt alone all day, every day. Even when people were coming and going from our apartment, visiting Annie, sending well wishes. I say I'll never forget, but I hope I do forget the loneliness that I felt at 5 a.m. in the dead of winter, pumping in the dark, using my little flashlight on my phone so I wouldn't wake any of the sleeping members of my family. And then pumping again at 10 p.m., at midnight, at 3 a.m., just pumping in the dark while everyone else slept. I shared more about my struggles to breastfeed Annie, my decision to exclusively pump back in that fourth trimester episode. So if you're behind, go get caught up. I won't do that much backtracking here, but I do think that all of that, all the pumping, all the emotions surrounding that decision and that process, I think that was a huge factor in my road toward postpartum depression and anxiety. It's a road I'm still on, uh, but in this moment, it has gotten better. Now, I, I talked about loneliness there. I feel like people don't talk a lot about loneliness, and I felt so guilty for admitting to anyone that with this perfect newborn in my arms, I was lonely. But I was. When Brian went back to work after a week and a half, and I was home alone with Annie all day, all night, I was constantly topless, constantly feeding, pumping, getting her to nap, repeating all day, every day. 
I know that's just parenting, but I, and I was exhausted, which again, I know that's par for the new parent course, but I felt really alone in all of it. And I would turn, I turned to Instagram a lot, to be honest, because I've always found it easier to share stuff there or even here than to share it directly with loved ones. I hate the idea of people worrying about me. I hate burdening other people, people who have their own stuff going on. I hate burdening them with my problems. And that's silly, I know, because I love when people come to me with their problems to share, to talk. I love listening. I love offering help. I love offering hugs. But but to quote Michael Scott from The Office, uh, when the turntables have turned... I really struggle to ask for help, and I know I'm not alone there. A lot of people have chimed in saying that they're the same and that you have to get over that. You have to just ask for help. Uh, I isolated myself a lot that, that I know was my own doing, and I ended up feeling scared and alone, and I would cry to the point of dehydration every single day. And I remember my back and my shoulders aching just from hunching over, from constantly bending down, holding Annie, looking down, pumping, whatever. But my head, I remember my head throbbing every day just from me being dehydrated. It was such an intense cycle. And I knew I needed help. Here's the thing. I was this scared new mom. I was scared to go anywhere with Annie. We would go on stroller walks around the neighborhood, which I loved, but it took me months to put her in the car seat and drive anywhere alone with her. Months. Plus, she wasn't on a schedule or in any type of routine for months. I remember people would be like, we want to come visit. What time is good for you? And I was like, I have no idea. I had no clue when my daughter might nap, when she might be awake, when she might be hungry, when I would be pumping. Like, so I turned down visitors for a long time because I, I, I mean, I don't know what I was scared of. Like people were just eventually going to have to realize that if they were coming over, they were going to see my boobs. I don't think anyone would have cared, but I guess I cared not about them seeing it, but about people seeing me so unput together. And so I wanted help. I really did. I wanted help. I needed help. Not for Annie, for me. I knew I needed that. But when it came to getting it, to actually making it happen when I needed it the most, it seemed unfathomable. I just remember I couldn't pick up the phone and I couldn't find anywhere that would let a new patient make an appointment online. And then, okay, so let's say I make an appointment. What time would I make it? What if Annie needed to eat then? What if she cried? I would bring her with me, right? I didn't have childcare yet. And if the therapist was running late, which, come on, everyone always is. What if it ran into the next time I needed to pump? I had all these fears and worries, which again, is why I needed to go to therapy. But I was so consumed by them that I could not get past it. And I felt so weak. I couldn't get myself to pick up the phone. I felt paralyzed. I felt trapped. And I remember I just kept hoping that someone would hear my secret cries for help. I hoped one day, like, Brian would come home from work and he would just see the despair in my eyes and he would just have someone show up at our home to help me. I wanted everyone else to solve everything for me. I just felt like I couldn't do it myself. And 
that's not always reality, of course. And and I think a part of me, I really, I hated not having family close by. And I saw all these other new moms doing all these things. And if I would finally ask, like, how are you doing that? Like, how are you alone right now? How are you getting haircuts? Oh, she's with her grandparents because they live next door, you know? And I hated that mine didn't. I My parents, they both live in New Hampshire and they both work full time. They can't just drop what they're doing to come take care of me or to watch Annie for an hour so I can go to the gym. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? My mom came down and I know I talked about this already in a past episode, but my mom came down and stayed with us for a week when I was three weeks postpartum. Brian was back at work full time at this point and oh my God, it was amazing. It was so great having her here, but man, did I sob when she left. Talk about uh, kicking the dehydration up a level. Eventually, I got to the point where I wanted to get Annie on a schedule so that life would be a little more predictable and because I'd read that babies thrive on a routine. And I had no no idea where to start. And everyone's like, read her cues, follow your instinct. And I was like, I don't have any instincts. I don't know what her cues are. Like, I felt so clueless. And so I didn't know where to start, so I over-researched. I read so much. I read all the conflicting opinions. I read about how one way was the best thing I could do for my baby, but then someone would say it's the worst thing and it'll damage them for life. And I Googled so much, I swear, the key, the keys on my keyboard might fall off at any second at this point. It was obsessive. And... I was attempting to work right away. I was working the day that Annie came home from the hospital. I remember her being asleep and Brian and I both being on our computer getting work done. And don't get me wrong, I love what I do. I love this. But I gave myself no grace period. But Brian and I both work for ourselves, so we dove right back in. We were happy to do that. In hindsight, I think maybe I regret doing that. I think it added a lot of stress going into every day with these goals, these plans, these work-related to-do lists, and accomplishing nothing. And to accomplish nothing for days, for weeks at a time, that was really discouraging for me. Of course, the reality is I was accomplishing a lot. I was keeping a child and a dog alive and myself. I wasn't doing nothing. But I wasn't doing what was on my list, and that weighed really heavily on me. So I've talked a lot about my, my problems here, um, which again, I know these are all so common, but feels good to talk about it. So what helped? How, at five and a half months, am I finally enjoying this after being clearly in somewhat dire straits early on? So first, when I say I'm enjoying this, obviously, I'll put the asterisk on there. Remind everyone, nothing here is perfect. It never will be. That's not my goal. Most of my meals are still from the Trader Joe's frozen section or Blue Apron. Uh, But the fact that I'm at least getting to a grocery store or cooking, that's a win in my book. None of my pre-pregnancy clothes really fit right now. But the fact that I'm wearing clothes, that's a victory. For a long time, I was just topless. My laundry, it's always done. Sometimes it's folded, but it is never put away. But hey, it's clean sometimes. 
So everything gets an asterisk. But parenthood has definitely taught me to see and celebrate victories of all sizes. So in the past month especially, though, I want to talk about those victories because they have felt huge to me. And I say to me because, again, these are things that I know a lot of other women first-time moms, dads, whatever, were doing when their babies were like four days old. And they took me five months. Whatever. Still worth celebrating, for sure. And if you haven't done these things, if you're at 10 months, you'll get there. You'll do it. Everyone's on their own timeline. I remember there was this week while Brian was at a conference, and I knew I couldn't just sit around at home with Annie and Ellie watching the hours go by, I was determined. I was like, I have to make this fun. I have to get out. I have to finally live. Annie, I think, was four and a half months old at this point, so about a month ago. So even though I had a million worries, a million fears and hesitations, I signed her up for music class in Hoboken, baby bandstand. I planned it all out so seriously, like started packing up her diaper bag two hours in advance, drove there with so much time to spare, got there so obnoxiously early that the musicians must have thought I was insane. And the whole time I was like so worried Annie might, oh my God, spit up during class, which by the way happens all the time now. No one cares. I'm sure other kids are spinning up too. No one notices. It's awesome. And Annie loved that first class. We both did. It was so fun. It was so cute seeing her around other kids. And she was just in awe. I loved it. She slept so well that night. So I think it really wore her out. The next day we went to the mall first time. I fed her in the ladies' lounge at Nordstrom, and I felt so proud when I like wheeled her into a fitting room so I could try stuff on. Kept asking for her opinions, but she was kind of useless. She didn't really help me out there, and she definitely didn't offer to pay for anything. Uh, She made out pretty well that day, though. Uh, Girlfriend got all kinds of goodies. And you know, the mall thing, like people had been telling me for so long, take her to the mall, go to the mall. Ever since she was just a few weeks old, they acted like that was so easy. Like go to the mall, it's easy. And I was like, it's terrifying. Took me four and a half months to get there, but we got there. We got there on our time and we kept going. The day after that, Central Park, baby. It was like the first spring feeling day in New York. So Annie and I drove, well, I drove into the city. Again, she didn't really help, but she was cute. So it's fine. Uh, We drove into the city, went for a walk around Central Park. And again, I planned everything out meticulously. I packed like 400 outfit changes for her just in case. And she slept the whole time. (laughs) Like it was great. Everything went fine. I got to spend the morning in Central Park And that was the day that I realized I could live my life and be a mom, that my life didn't have to stop. I could keep doing things I loved, and it could be even better having a buddy along for the ride or for the stroll. And I know that this probably sounds so cheesy, but getting to take Annie to Central Park for the first time and doing it alone without Brian as my crutch, which I relied on for so long... That felt like freaking winning the Olympics. I mean, probably, you know, hard to compare. (laughs) Maybe someday. All right. So then came Sunday, another day, another mall. But this time was really special. This time I wasn't alone. It wasn't just me and Annie. 
So my college girlfriend, Teddy, she had reached out to me earlier that week. She had listened to, I forget if it was the fourth trimester podcast episode or the one I recorded about that mean lady on Instagram, Uh, but Teddy reached out. So Teddy and I, we were so close in college and after and, um, you know, we're certainly still friends, but we're not the kind who talk every single day. And she had her second baby two months before Annie was born. So she's like a pro at this. She's seasoned. She's got two kids. She knows what she's doing. She lives in Connecticut. And so we don't see each other much, but she reached out and she told me she listened to that episode and her mom alarm went off. Now, those words alone made me sob. She insisted we get together. She knew I needed it. She knew I needed to see a friend. And and it's true. I needed it. I needed to get out. I needed to I needed to see someone. And it it was the push I needed. We had such an amazing day together. We joked like we used to in college, but while pushing strollers and we navigated our way through different stores. <laughs> I tried to seem like I was like good at pushing my stroller and confident, but I kept banging into stuff. Uh, Hey, stores, spread your stuff out, please. More space between the racks. Anyway, it was really nice. It was so thoughtful. It meant so much to me. And it makes me want to pay it forward by just hugging all new moms and listening and saying, you've got this. Like, even if it doesn't feel like it right now, you do. I promise. So that week alone, two malls, music class, a trip to Central Park. Like that week was it for me. It boosted my confidence so much because I wasn't just doing stuff. I was loving it. Everyone kept telling me, get out. And I did for those little walks on nice days. But these outings, they gave me the confidence I needed to start living with Annie instead of in spite of her. And I know that sounds awful. Don't get me wrong. Like, obviously, I love my daughter more than I have ever loved anything. I am obsessed with her. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I am obsessed with her. But I was just surviving for a long time. And now we're living. I still have a ways to go. To be honest, I still get anxious doing bigger outings with her. And we have a few things coming up that I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous about. It's so easy to stay in our routine, to stay on Annie's schedule when we're at home. And she's doing great on that schedule. But I want to live, especially now that summer's coming. I want to show her the world. So I guess I'm Aladdin and Annie's Jasmine and Ellie's Abu and and Brian is the genie. Brian is the genie. Or Brian, do you want to be Jafar? No, Jafar's the bad guy. No, Brian's the genie. Um, or the sultan. Yeah, that's a good one. Then then we would have a castle and a palace. Uh, it's really nice, though, to be at a point where things that were once, like, insurmountably scary, just like walking Ellie and Annie at the same time, I was so scared to do that, or being alone overnight with them. Now those are just a part of our day, a part of our lives, though I do still hate being alone overnight with them. I can do it, but I'm sure I will always hate that. I get scared at night, whatever. And of course, the first time I did it, there was a thunderstorm, so that didn't help. Uh, The other thing that has made all this so much better is that I am done pumping. I'm done. Give me that like praise hands emoji right now. I pumped for Annie for five months and I feel zero guilt for stopping what I did. We're working through our freezer stash for now and I guess 
I like I have to start learning about I don't know baby led weaning or spoon feeding or whatever we decide to do next, uh, which I will not put a label on. But man, I am done with the boobs. My boobs are free. <laughs> they're sad and saggy, and they're visibly uneven, but they are free. So that is huge. The last thing I want to touch on before jumping into the Q and A portion of this episode is the comparison trap. I'm guilty of it in this like vulnerable state of new motherhood. Social media made me a bit of a monster, like a crazy monster, because I'd be home all day with Annie just scrolling on my phone. If she was napping, I was scrolling. If she was like, if I was feeding her, using my other hand, scrolling. And and I'd get excited to follow fellow moms with babies around Annie's age or a little bit older so I could follow along. But then when those babies started doing stuff Annie hadn't yet done, well, boom, I'm a failure. When those moms are wearing makeup and I seem to be growing a mustache, failure. When they're all out on date nights while grandma and grandpa swing by to watch the baby for the night, well, I'm a loser and I'm a lonely one. Social media, I know, it's really wonderful in many ways, and I'm so grateful for so much of it, but like we all know how this can go. It's a slippery, scary slope, and one of the best things I've done for myself is hit that unfollow button. This felt especially true when I've been trying to like <laughs> trying to balance work in Annie, and I know balance that ridiculous, impossible word. And This is probably a separate conversation, but I have these huge career goals and I want to be a present mom for Annie. I know this is something every single parent struggles with, so I'm not special or unique in that way. Just add me to the pile. Uh, I have nothing to add yet, but I'm trying to figure out how to be a work from home mom. If you've solved this, hit me up. I have a part-time nanny a few days a week, and oh, I'm obsessed with her, and she's the hugest help. But to be honest, it's not enough. I feel guilty getting additional childcare help because I want to be with my baby. I feel like I should be able to get all my work done in a certain amount of time. It's like so arbitrary, but I also want to chase these big dreams I have professionally, and I don't want to need help. I want to be able to do it all. <laughs> what a mess. I know. Like I said, work in progress. Um, Oh, and speaking of like separate conversations to have, we're going to start having them. I am so excited to be launching a new Motherhood Mondays series on the Alley on the Run show. I have 10 episodes on tap coming soon, and these are like real, honest, unfiltered conversations with fellow moms. We are going to get into it all, the struggles, the successes, the nitty, the gritty, you know me, I don't hold back. And these women promised that they would do the same. So stay tuned for that. I'll keep you posted. So just to wrap this up, uh, my mom was here visiting this past weekend. I had a baby shower to go to in Connecticut on Saturday and Brian was traveling for work. He was in sunny Miami, Florida. So my mom came down to hang with Annie and Ellie while I was at the shower. And oh my God, it was amazing. It was such a great visit, and and she brought Girl Scout cookies, and even though I get sad I don't get to see my family more often, it makes me really appreciate the time we do get together and that I get to have them around at all. I know I'm really lucky for that. 
Uh, this time when my mom left, I cried again. So did she. It's like we're such a ripple effect. Like I cry, she cries. If I see her crying, I cry. It's terrible. So we're the same person. But I told her, I was like, mom, I'm not crying like I was when I was three weeks postpartum. I remember crying that time when she left because I felt desperate and helpless and so incapable. Like I was terrified and I felt like I just needed her. This time I explained, I was like, I'm crying because I'm grateful. I'd had the best 36 hours with her and so did Annie and Ellie. And I cried because I'm just really realizing the value of personal relationships right now and how important they are. So new moms and dads of the world, tattoo this on your face. You've got this. Maybe you know that. Maybe you need a reminder. Either way, you're doing great. I mean, I don't know you personally, but I believe in you. Let me take a quick break from all of this to tell you about this week's sponsor, Aftershocks. If you've been here once or twice before, you know that Aftershocks wireless headphones are my obsession. I am such a firm believer in the fact that they are the very best running headphones and I will never run with anything else ever again. Definitely not anything with wires, cords, or the inability to withstand all my aggressive sweat. Now, if you're new around here, well, hi, welcome, super psyched to have you. Here's what you need to do to officially be a part of the Alley on the Run Show community. Get yourself a pair of Aftershocks wireless headphones. I wear the Trex Air and I really like high-fiving fellow runners who are also wearing them. It's not weird. It's like the Jeep wave. It's cool. It's a thing we do. And you should be a part of it like so many of us are. For example, I got a DM on Instagram the other day. Let me read it to you because it was so cute. Sending a thank you for the Aftershocks recommendation. I bought the Trex Air and wore them for the first time during a race Saturday. Loved them. Insert super cute pic with her running buddies here. It was so nice to take a picture without all the cords hanging from my shirt. Laughing face, winky face. So you're welcome, new best friend. And I want all of you to also be my new best friends. And friends don't let friends run with crappy headphones. So go to ontherun.aftershocks.com to save $50 off your wireless headphone endurance bundle. That's ontherun.aftershocks.com. Now let's get into the Q&A portion of this episode. All right, a few weeks ago, days ago, I don't know, no track of time over here. I mentioned I would be doing this solo episode, and as always, I wanted to open it up to a little Q&A to wrap things up. So this is that part. So questions from, from the audience via Instagram stories. <clears throat> Lots of people ask this one. Do you have any run goals? Any races planned? What's your running plan post-pregnancy? How is your training with the baby going? And what surprised you most about post-baby running? So in other words, like what's up with running, post-baby fitness, all that. Um, I am shocked and thrilled to be able to report that I just ran the uh, United Airlines New York City Half Marathon. I uh, was not planning on it. That was a last minute decision. I, you know, I, I had a relatively easy, drama-free pregnancy and labor and delivery and recovery. Really, really grateful for that. You know, probably helps that Annie was only like five pounds, but 
Um, I felt good. I returned to, I returned to Orange Theory. I think around five weeks postpartum. Once I was cleared by my midwife, and and everything looked good. She said my pelvic floor felt strong. I didn't have any ab separation or anything to worry about. She said I didn't need to worry about any major modifications getting back into it. Just to use my judgment, ease back in kind of the blanket statements that we get. So I did that and I started with Orange Theory and it was winter. So once on days it was nice out, I ran outside and I was really excited. And one day I went out on a weekend and I ran eight miles. Felt good. One day I ran 10. So I wasn't looking to do anything really intentional with my postpartum running, but running those 10 miles a couple times felt really great. So when I had the opportunity to run the New York City half after doing a live show that weekend, I was like, yeah, sounds good. And so I didn't train specifically for it. I literally ran just enough to know I would be able to do it and and not hurt myself at this point. I've been running for 10 years now. I know my body pretty well and what it can and can't handle and what's worth it for me and not. Um and I weighed it right up until the night before. I was like, this is, ti-. you know, this is the other, this is the biggest thing is that I don't have any goal races planned. I don't have any, I'm not training for anything right now. I have nothing on my calendar. I have a new baby, five and a half months. I still say new baby, right? I'll do that for the first 18 years of her life. So for me, any race I'm doing, that's time away from my family. And time with my family is the number one most valuable thing in my life right now. It is the thing I care about the most, especially weekends. You know, Brian works a lot during the week. He's been traveling a lot. I honestly feel like since Annie was born, we haven't even had a weekend that we were all around with no visitors, no travel plans, nothing going on. So I'm really looking forward to a lot of low-key weekends this summer. And so to be getting up early to go race be away from my family or have them come like that is kind of an ordeal sometimes. I mean, it's not like Brian's amazing at it. But for me to say like, hey, I want all of you to spend your morning watching me do a race for fun. um, You know, that just doesn't really feel super right right now. But running the half, I wanted to feel like myself that day, not my old self, because I'm not looking to feel like my old self. But it felt good to have a couple hours that morning where I got to just go and run. And I my I will devote my entire life to being the best mother I can be. And just all I want is to make sure Annie feels safe and loved and happy in her life. But to spend a couple hours that morning just running and feeling pretty carefree, that felt good. I, I don't feel carefree as a parent ever. Uh, my mom joked when she was here. She was like, yeah, you'll probably worry for the rest of your life. And she said, she was like, I still worry about you every day. And I was like, oh God, I need to up my game. Like my mom should still be worrying about me. I'm 33. But um, yeah, it was just nice to go. And, and I told Brian, I was like, if you guys, if you feel up for it and you want to come, come and of course he did he's such a good spectator and he brought Annie and seeing her as I finished was awesome and I I did not run with a watch I wasn't you know like I said I was just running to have fun and I ran a really great for me time I ran a 152 which I was shocked by and I mean you know I say thrilled as if like I were trying to do that not gonna lie I pulled that out of my butt. I don't know how that happened. Um, 
I told Brian, I was like, I won't come in under two hours. I was like, don't get to the finish before 930 because the race started at 730 and uh, 1.52. That's like a time that I run when I train for something. So uh, felt cool. People joke that like motherhood makes you faster magically. So I'll, uh, I'll chalk it up to that. And I think I was just really excited. And when I run happy and excited and not with a plan and not with goals or pressure, I tend to run better. So uh, I don't know. Train like me. Don't train like me. It works. So no post-pregnancy plans. Post-pregnancy running and working out has felt good. Um, someone at Orange Theory today actually asked me. She was like, are you back to all your old paces? And I'm not. Not yet. Um, but I'm not that far off. Uh, I'm also not, like, in all honesty, I'm not trying to do anything crazy. I go to Orange Theory because I get to see my friends there. And I go for runs when I can because I like to be outside and it feels good to move. So I'm not trying to do anything crazy. I think my biggest postpartum running goal is I want to get a jogging stroller. I do not have one yet. I need to decide which one I want to get. I want to get a jogging stroller and I hope that that's something that Annie enjoys because I think I would love doing the jogging stroller thing and um, getting to spend time on the run with her. I think that would be pretty cool and, and good for both of us. So I guess that's my big uh, run goal. I was hoping to run the New Jersey half, but that's in like two weeks or th- I don't know what the date is. That's in a couple weeks, it's the end of end of April. Uh, but again, it's like it's a about an hour and a half from home. It would be like a bit of an ordeal getting the family down there. And I just, you know, it's not a goal race. It would be for fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love running for fun. Uh, but now with Annie in tow, I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. It's also near the beach and Ellie loves the beach. So that's why we like going down there. Um, So we'll see. Nothing planned. I mean, it might be sold out for all I know. I haven't even checked or registered or anything. So maybe that. Um, And then I do have an entry to the New York City Marathon this year. I have not decided if I will use it. Um, I'm not sure. I honestly, if I do it, it's going to be like absolute bare minimum marathon training, like just enough time on my feet to be able to to run it to enjoy it and to actually be able to have fun anyone you know I love the New York City Marathon uh, but again life's different now it looks different now I'm trying to juggle a lot of things if if training for and running that race will add to my life and make me happy then I'll go for it if I feel like it's a stress that's added then absolutely not then it then it gets scrapped immediately. So we'll see. I don't have to decide for a little while. Um, And someone asked what surprised me most about post-baby running and definitely that um, I ran a 152 half at five months postpartum um, and that I felt really great doing it. I, you know, I suffered a little on that Manhattan bridge climb, but otherwise like I felt great, which is why I can't believe I ran a 152. That's a good time for me. And yeah, that that my return to running has felt pretty good. That being said, I'm really familiar with setbacks and comebacks. Not that pregnancy is a setback, but obviously it's different. And not that this is a comeback. But, um, you know, I've had Crohn's disease my whole life. I am very well versed in having to take breaks from fitness and then coming back. And my body has always responded pretty okay to that, that um, getting 
I hate to say getting back into shape. It's just like a different, just like a different shape. I'm like an amoeba. Um, my body's used to that. And so I think that it, because I had an easy labor and delivery, it hasn't been a huge shock to my system and I'm grateful for that. So, uh, that's my long-winded answer to the various questions about training, running and postpartum fitness. Uh, someone asked, do you find yourself needing me time even with Annie in the picture? Definitely. I'm definitely someone who needs me time. Um, on the days that I don't have childcare for Annie, I I tend to get to nighttime and I'm like, yeah, I could use a break. Again, I am sure that's something anyone could relate to. Um, those days, it's really hard for me to not work, to not try to just like sit on the floor with her with my laptop and be in a million, trying to like be in multiple places and that I'm not present in either. So yeah, that's definitely something I need my me time. Um, I don't always get it. Sometimes I do. It depends on Brian's work schedule and, and what we both have going on. Um, it's something that I value. So it's something I crave. And when I get it, it's very satisfying. So I do my best to get that. And, and I do when I have the nanny here. So that's really helpful. And yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely need me time. How is the sleep going uh, for me or for Annie? Annie's doing great. I'm not. Um, I used to be a great sleeper and I'm not now. I toss, I turn, I cannot get comfortable. I'm like, I'm a mess. Uh, Annie's sleep is going really well. And I credit that I took the Taking Care of Babies online course, and I really, really recommend that. I'll link to it in the show notes. It was really helpful because for so long, I didn't, I didn't understand what was Annie awake? Was she hungry? Like at 3 a.m., it's so hard to know what's even going on, let alone like reading a baby's cues. And, and that course really helped, um, it was hard. I think, you know, Annie is a, I think she's always been a pretty good sleeper. Um, but early on, yeah, she was waking up a lot. We were all just up all night and sleep deprivation is very scary. It is one of the scariest things I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and I worried for the whole family when Brian and I were both so sleep deprived in those early months. For me, it took, I think it took about six weeks for the adrenaline to wear off and the sleep deprivation to kick in. And it was scary. And and I've like, I've read so much stuff that's like sleep deprivation is scarier than drunk driving or like all these different things. Um, so like for sure, no operating heavy machinery or like definitely not driving a tractor when I'm tired. Uh, God, what am I talking about? Sleep deprivation is scary. Um, but Annie's sleep is going really well. She's, like I said, we've worked to get her into a good routine and on a good schedule. And, you know, some nights she tosses and turns, but she doesn't wake up um, needing to be fed during the night, which is is a huge help. That's, that's really nice. She sleeps in her crib, so she's in her own room. The other two days ago, we I woke up in the morning and checked the monitor, and I was like, why does she look weird? Oh, because I was looking at the back of her head. It was the first night she had flipped onto her stomach in her sleep, and she like travels all around her crib. I don't understand how she's doing that, but she flips all around. She does 180-degree turns. Like she's really, she's really exploring in there at night, but she's a decent sleeper. I 
just stay up all night checking the monitor. I'm really hoping that that stops in time. So uh, sleep is going well. How have your friendships changed since motherhood? Um, Since motherhood, I will say that I feel in a way maybe more connected to my friends who already had kids. I think that our friendships were great before and there was nothing wrong. But now I'm like, I'm always reaching out to them for questions and really uh, looking to them as role models and as resources. So I'm grateful to have a lot of friends who have kids. And my relationships with my friends without kids, if you want to, I guess, break it into those two categories, um, most of them haven't changed too much. I have maybe a couple that were not as close, um, but I think those were starting to drift anyway uh, since pregnancy or before. So um, I'm really grateful to have friends who some have kids, some don't, some have multiple kids, some want kids, some don't want kids, like I don't want to be someone who's like, well, these are my mom friends and these are my non-mom friends. Like, they're all just my friends. So it's also, I'm just, I really, like I was saying earlier, really just valuing the relationships and friendships that I have. I don't need a million friends. I need a couple really good, really dependable, really loyal friends. And I feel that I have that right now. So uh, really lucky and, and grateful for that. And I hope that I am that friend in return. I hope that I was before Annie, during Annie, um, in all phases of her life as she grows up. I don't, um, I don't want to be the mom who like disappears because she had a kid. So I'm trying to be conscious of that as well. Favorite moment with Annie and Ellie so far? Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. I have a blog post on this coming, um, but they're obsessed with each other and it's so cute I mean every day that Ellie just brings Annie the ball over and over and over waiting for her to throw it back the day she throws it back is gonna that's gonna be the favorite moment but there was a moment a couple days or weeks after Annie was born that Ellie really seemed to notice her and like fell in love with her and just I don't know it was it's hard to explain but it was like watching someone fall in love And I think that was my favorite moment. It felt really special. Do you have any plans for things to do with Annie this summer? Be outside. Go hiking. I just want to be outside. I want to go hiking. We love taking Ellie to the beach, which we did last weekend. So just getting outside because I loved the idea of Annie having a fall birthday because I love the fall, but we went right into winter and and winter is a hard time to have a newborn because it was a mild winter, but there were plenty of days that it was just too cold to get out. And so um, that added to the loneliness, I think, and feeling isolated. So uh, yeah, very excited to be thawing out. What advice do you have for first time moms? I'm pregnant and nervous. Well, first don't read what I'm doing. I'll make you more nervous. <laughs> You're going to be great. Congratulations. My advice, be good to yourself. Um, you will take care of your baby. Take care of yourself too. That's my best advice. What's something special you do with Annie that Brian doesn't and the reverse? Ooh, this is tough. Um, When I think of Brian and Annie together, she loves reaching out and grabbing his nose, (laughs) which like she doesn't do that to anyone else. But when she sees his face, she just wants to grab his nose. And I think that that's like a really cute little special thing between them. 
And something I do with Annie, um, I mean, I'm with her pretty much 24 hours a day. So maybe going to music class is like our special thing. Brian did get to come one week, which was really fun. His like travel schedule worked out that he had just got back off a flight and came to class and it was so fun. And he was like, oh my God, this is what you guys get to do every week. And I was like, yeah, it's the best. So I feel like music class is our jam. Um, yeah, but it's also, I mean, it's cool to have our individual things, but I, I prefer and I love things that we get to share together. Okay. Let's do a couple more of these. Um, non-pregnancy related or non-baby non related. God, pregnancy, that feels like a lifetime ago. Best tip for beginner runners, how not to get injured. While I'm not a coach and I'm not an expert, my only tip would be to start slow and don't put pressure on yourself. Also, to go check out Allie and the Experts Week, listen to the episodes with run coach Mary Johnson and physical therapist Bryn Facet O'Neill. They'll give you all the expert advice that you need. Crohn's related. How often do you have flares these days? Uh, I don't want to answer, but fingers crossed I haven't flared since having Annie. So um, if everyone could knock on wood, that'd be great. Really hoping that stays the case. Is your husband a runner? My, hus my husband always seems to not care about my run talk. Um, instead of answering that question, I will just say go listen to the Brian's Turkey Trot episode of the Alley on the Run show. That will answer your question and then some. What is a personal and professional goal you have for 2019 or 2020? Uh, New York City Marathon live show. I would still like to try my hand at race announcing. I want to hang out at start lines and finish lines and just pump everyone up and cheer and make everyone feel great and special and um, motivated and inspired. Would love to do that. Those are the first two that come to mind. And really just doing more with the Alley on the Run show. I have a lot of plans, hopes, dreams. I just need, uh, I just need the time. <laughs> Are there any runners you haven't met that you'd really like to? All of you, does that count? I want to meet every single person who listens to this show, whether you're a runner or not. That's my real honest answer. Um, and I've never met Shalane Flanagan. I think I've like talked to her. I've interviewed her for stuff I've written, but um, I've never like hung out with her. That would be pretty cool. What are your favorite episodes of the Alley on the Run show? Uh, they're all of them. They're... There are too many that come to mind. Um, I still remember the first episode I did with Chris Heisler. It was like episode six. That set the bar. I loved that episode. The episode I did with Chris Mosier comes to mind because yesterday was Trans Day of Visibility. Uh, I hope I got that right. But um, really important episode about um, my friend Chris Mosier talking about what is it like to be transgender? What does that mean? He let me ask all of my questions. And that was early on. So that episode taught me a lot, not just about his story and about so many stories out there, but it was really helpful for me to learn how to let my guard down and not pretend like I know everything. And he told me, you don't know what you don't know. And that really stuck with me that it's so important to be curious, to be open-minded, and not to pretend like you have all the answers. It's okay that we don't. I have so much to learn. And and Chris helped me learn a lot that day. So grateful for that. Still love Andrea Barber's episodes. I loved um, 
all the live shows have been super fun. All the interviews that I get to do with Des Linden because she's great. Uh, and and it's pretty cool to me that the most downloaded episode of the Alley on the Run show of all time was with Sarah Sellers after last year's Boston Marathon. She came in second place and I was the first person to get her on a podcast, which was really cool. So that episode killed it. Thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, I could go on and on. So many great episodes. And the last one we'll do here, can we be friends? Yes, of course we can be friends. I would love to be friends. The way to do that, come to one of the live shows. Obviously, there's the one coming up in Boston. We're going to have a bunch more this year. So come out and we can all be friends. That feels like a good place to wrap things up. Um, I guess in summary, Parenthood is exactly as crazy and intense and emotional as everyone tells you it will be, but like in ways no one could ever actually describe. Um, It's a very cool honor and a privilege to get to experience it all firsthand. And even in the toughest, most daunting moments, I really do feel grateful to get to have this struggle. Uh, My heart goes out to all the moms and dads out there who are in the thick of it, in the throes of it, and the like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this of it. As Kris Jenner would say, you're doing amazing, sweetie. (laughs) And truly, my heart goes out to everyone who has experienced loss of some kind, who's trying to conceive, or who is generally having a tough time. I love you. I am here for you. And I am sending you thoughts of hope, health, and happiness. That's a wrap on this episode of the Alley on the Run show. Sometimes it just feels really good to let it all out and then, you know, hold my breath and just kind of hope everyone who listens is nice and supportive and kind. Kindness, by the way, that is my word for 2019. Maybe for the rest of my life. You should make it yours too. It's fun. But I really mean it when I say thank you to everyone for tuning in and for your unwavering support as I navigate life as a new mom. I've felt really lucky throughout the past several months knowing that when it's hard, I am not alone. We may not all know each other in real life, but we should. Which reminds me, if you're going to be in town for the Boston Marathon next week, come to the live show that I'm doing with fellow podcasters Lindsay Hine, Tina Muir, and Carrie Tollefson. Sponsored by Generation You Can, and it is going to be so much fun. To stay up to date on all future live shows, events, meetups, and pictures of Annie and Ellie, make sure you're following me on Instagram and Twitter at Allie on the Run one and that you like the Allie on the Run Facebook page. And of course, make sure that in addition to listening to this show every week, you subscribe to it in iTunes or the podcast listening app of your choice. Bonus points if you also leave a rating and review for the show. Those make my day. Finally, let's give it up for Aftershocks for making the Alley on the Run show possible. Go to ontherun.aftershocks.com for $50 off wireless headphone endurance bundles. Don't settle for anything less. And hey, do like Ellen DeGeneres says, be kind to one another. Totally just stole that from her. (laughs) Thanks for joining me on the run.